0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. All right, let's get the, into the word, turn to Ephesians for me. So we are, I don't know, I didn't really start out doing a series this year. I thought last week we'll just do Eyes Wide Open, kind of set the tone. Um, if you didn't get a chance to see it or be a part of it, then uh, go online and grab that. Or if you did, go back and watch it again. We're going to go into 2021 with our eyes wide open. See God's provision, his direction, his protection. Know who he is a little bit greater than we do. I think maybe we were caught a little off guard. Somewhat 2020, but no longer, right? We know we're headed into an interesting year, but we do so with the power of God, amen? With eyes wide open, that he's moving and working, and we want to move with him. I just want to make a, a comment about the song that revival comes. You know, revival is really speaking to the church to wake up to who they are and do what they're called to do. And something rose up in my heart when we were singing that song, and, and, and I just want to say this as your pastor, I, as it, I just want to encourage you, tree of life, that we will not be sleeping while the world is weeping. And so we, w- we are awakening to God's revival, amen? And we are carrying that mandate into this world like never before. So we're going in 2021 with eyes wide open. But let's, let's be honest, it's a battle. I mean, last year was a battle. It's not over yet. We're still fighting the good fight. I heard somebody say it this way. I loved it. I thought it was a great uh, quote or statement that we went from life being a playground to a battleground. And that's just the reality of the world that we're living in. That's okay. We don't have to fear that, or, or you know, wonder what that's like, or whatever. We we know that we have the Spirit of God and the power of God, who is greater than that which is in the world. Amen. And we know that God's given us ability to overcome. He's overcome the world, so we can have peace. And so I want to encourage you in that. But we are going to address some things I think are important as we begin this year, looking ahead, to keeping our eyes wide open. What does that look like? How does it, How can we do that? But understanding also that we're in a battle. We're in a war. And I, hesitated, I was a little hesitant on bringing the message, but I felt the Lord so impressed it on my heart. Part of it just came from what I felt last week. But listen, we're gonna talk about some spiritual warfare today. And I don't know how that lands on you. And I was a little nervous in the sense like spiritual warfare, seriously. I thought this was a normal church. I didn't think this was a weird church. And I just wanna say, I don't wanna be normal. Yeah. And some of you are weird. <laughs> I just, it's the truth. I'm not, but some of you are. And so it's just, it is what it is, right? We call all people, we pray for all people to come. And so, uh, but you know, we're not going to back down. My job is to make sure that I'm being a good pastor. I don't want to entertain. I want to equip and empower and give you what you need to win in life and expand the kingdom of God. And so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. It's what it's it's called, what we call it. And the truth is that the spiritual battle is real. Whether we want to believe it or not, whether you feel that or not. And can we just say we know it's real, but we look at the reality of it from the other side. We look at it from the worldly side. There seems to be this fascination with spiritual things. I mean, I don't know about you. Obviously, we're not going to movies or whatever anymore. But I mean, if you're flipping through like a Netflix or something like that, and you're looking at a movie title or a show title, and it talks about like, you know, what year it was, came out, and it talks about the rating on it, and it'll talk about the genre. And it just seems like all I see is horror, 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 like supernatural stuff. So don't think for one second we can try and deny or not admit that there's a spiritual battle, but there's a spiritual, <laughs> there's a spiritual battle <laughs> happening around the world everywhere. And we're in it. And we need to know it. And so my heart, my hope today is to equip you in a better capacity. Maybe you open your eyes to that and so we can move forward in what God has for us. But let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians. He's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus and he's telling them that you're in a battle. You're living a, a lifetime and life is a, is a spiritual war happening and here's how you need to address it. So here's what he says in Ephesians 6:10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Hold on to that phrase, the evil day. And then having done all to stand, stand. In fact, the next beginning of the next scripture says stand. Again, just reiterating. But notice he said, in the evil day. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're living in evil days. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV when you get home and then go and cleanse your mind with the word of God, right? Can I tell you Wednesday was an evil day? Can I tell you we've experienced evil days how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say an evil day? All right, those that aren't willing to raise their hands, you might just be winning one right now. I don't know, but, but you're either in one, have had one, or going in one. It's just the reality of the world that we live in today. Some of you didn't raise your hand because I'm like, no, it's not just an evil day, man. I'm in an evil week. I'm an evil month. How about evil year, 2020? But here's the thing, the battle is real, but God has equipped us and gifted us to overcome and not just win, but expand his kingdom in the meantime. And so we're gonna talk about that because here's what we're talking about when we say evil day, when hell lands on your doorstep, when you feel like every demon in hell is after you and your family, when you're overwhelmed, your dreams are crushed, and you're losing hope, An evil day is when you're under major attack. And when that day comes, Paul says, you need to know how to handle this. I want to give you some instruction, Paul says, as he's writing to the church of Ephesians, that you need to walk in. He says, you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He said that in verse 10. So what Paul's saying is, normal's not enough. You need a power beyond your own. Normal's not enough. Normal doesn't work. Normal doesn't work. And playing church is not going to work either. And I know this might be an uncomfortable topic and I know there's preachers and pastors and I totally get it that won't speak on it because they want people to come back. Can I just, could you come back next week and make me feel a whole lot better talking about this? You'll want to hear part two. (laughs) Or stay online, you're online right now thinking I know we should have switched over to Joel Osteen, (laughs) but no, we're we're gonna talk about winning the spiritual battles today and I just want to encourage you, don't check out on me. Okay, lock in and open up your heart to the word of God. Because Paul says on that evil day, you're gonna need something beyond the natural. You're gonna need the supernatural. And so Paul's telling us how to approach these times in our life. It's important for us to understand. But here's what we need to know. We need to know, uh, what we need to know is everything visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. Everything you see happening in the visible and the natural, the physical, has a spiritual or an invisible root first. And we need to learn that because we tend to typically just battle against the visible and the physical and we forget about the root. And if we don't address the root or the invisible and the spiritual, we're just gonna keep fighting that battle over and over again. And so Paul is telling us what we need to do. Paul says if you wanna address the visible and the physical in your life, you need to do it from the perspective of the invisible and the spiritual. That's where our battle starts. We need to understand the perspective of the invisible and the spiritual. And Paul uses this term in verse 12. Guys, if you put verse 12 up there for me again. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Now look at this phrase, in the heavenly places. Heavenly places means the spiritual realm. You have to address spiritual things spiritually. There's a spiritual realm where the invisible and the spiritual attacks come from that manifest in the physical and the visible that we need to do battle in the spiritual realm or the heavenly places first. And he's saying you need to focus on the invisible and the spiritual. And he says we do that in the heavenly places. Now, are you with me? All right, hang in there. Those that aren't just yet, hang in there. What he's saying is when you're under attack in your marriage, when you're under attack in your family, when you're under attack in your finances, your relationships, your dream, your hope, your mind, when you're being attacked, during times like that, you have to do things from the vantage point of the heavenly places or the spiritual realm. And Paul gives you a plan on how to do that in the evil days. During the times when your world is shaken, Turned upside down, overwhelmed, he says, stand firm. Stand firm. In fact, he says it in the next verse. He says, stand firm. He says it more than one time. In other words, don't quit. Don't give up when when things are falling apart right before your eyes. He says, the first thing we need to understand is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, people are not the sources of our problem. Doesn't matter what political persuasion they are. Doesn't matter what color of the skin they are. Doesn't matter how much money they make. Doesn't matter where they live. They are not our problem. We need to understand. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. In fact, I just I brought this today, and I love this. I I, I have this cup when I go to Mexico. I just pick up stuff to come back and bring it for the pastors. And, and this is my wrestling mug. That's a luchador right there. <laughs> And I brought all the pastors a mug like this because I want them to have in their office and know every time they see it, you need to know we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but we're in a spiritual battle. And we need to take the fight to the enemy spiritually first. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. That's a spiritual battle we're fighting right there. We're taking the fight to the enemy in the heavenly places, if you will. And so I bring everybody a mug, a coffee mug. All the pastors, a coffee mug as a reminder. I got this one out long ago this last year. I picked this one up as appropriately, I guess partly through the year. This is my mask. I didn't want to get one of those big wrestling masks because they were too hot and sweaty. It went over my whole head. I couldn't see out the eye hole. I don't know how they, who the model for that was, but but this one I I was going to wear this in child dedication. So I thought I might scare the kids, but I did, so I didn't. But and then this year my wife my wife got me this year. This year it's my wallet. I don't know if you can see that. It's all luchadors on it. <laughs> and it's I'm, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood and the enemy and assignment against my finances. It looks like he's winning, uh, but anyways, no, no, he's not. He's not. Not after today because we tithe. <laughs> we wrestle. Not. Uh, joking aside, but that's where our battle is, and we have to understand that because a lot of us are struggling and stuff because we're not fighting in the right realm, we're not fighting in the right arena, if you will. We need to take the fight to the enemy in the heavenly places. And so he, he says, take your stand. Listen, he says, when you've done all you can do, when you're under fire, when you're suffering, take your stand. When you're under attack, take your stand. Listen to this. I wrote it this way. On the ground where Jesus has already stood for you. Because Jesus has already fought a fight. He's already won a battle, but we need to walk in that victory, and we need to take our position and understand the tools that he's giving us to be able to walk out the victory. And so... He says, grab a hold of what Jesus has to offer. You don't run away from God, you run to God. You don't hide, you don't drift away, you don't stay away. In the evil day, you have to run to God. And so he says, stand, hold faith, hold strong, hold fast in your faith. So Paul tells him this, he says, he goes on, he goes, tells him, he goes, you need to dress for spiritual success, right? We hear that all the time, dress for success. Well, why not dress for spiritual success? Right? Hey, we're not talking about dressing to go out to eat. We're not talking about dressing to go to the movies. We're not talking about dressing to go over to our friend's house for dinner. We're not even talking about dressing to go to church. We're talking about dressing for the battle. And so Paul says there's some things you need to dress in for success in spiritual warfare. For the battle that you're in, you need to dress for success. You gotta be dressed for battle. So let's take a look at what he says in Ephesians 6:14, continuing our passage. He says, stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all things, above all rather, taking the shield of faith, which is, uh, which is with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he gives us six pieces of spiritual armor that the believer is to use when taking a stand in the evil day. You're to dress for success spiritually. And when you're under spiritual attack and it's affecting your life emotionally and physically and, and relationally and spiritually and financially and circumstantially, well, we might as well add racially, politically, medically, add all that, because I had to keep the ending all the same, right? So anyway, so at least they do all, at least we, we, we can dress to combat that. When you're feeling those things in your life and you know what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to put on that. But you gotta be, I gotta be completely honest with you. I'm talking about all the getting dressed with the armor in here. And I, I know I've grown up in church most of my life and stuff and I've been taught this over and over again. I don't always remember it. And how many of you remember the pieces of armor for maybe from children's church or something like that? Let me see, if you can name them all. all right, could you come up and give me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all of a sudden my mind went blank. <laughs> so you know what happens is we gotta teach our kids those things, Amen. Teach our kids those things, but the reality is, here's—we won't always remember that. What is that? What is that armor again? What am I supposed to put on? Well, let me make it easier for you this morning, because that's my job. I want you to understand it, make it easy for you, so you'll—you'll you'll walk in it. Um, we may not remember all the pieces of the armor, but let's take a look at Romans thirteen fourteen says. He said it says this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Put on Jesus. Right. Put on. Jesus, clothe yourself in Jesus. Last week we talked about having a greater revelation, our eyes being opened in a greater capacity to who Jesus is. And so, right here we see the scripture in Romans 13 put on Christ. If you can't remember all the pieces, remember this one put on Christ. Why? Because Paul says put on truth, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Paul says put on righteousness. But Jesus is our righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says put on peace, but Jesus says in this world you'll have tribulation, but I will give you my peace. Paul says put on faith, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Paul says, put on salvation. Jesus is our salvation. Paul says, put on the word of God or use the sword of the spirit. And and the word says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. So if you can't remember those things, put on Jesus. Press into your relationship with Christ. We talk about putting on the armor, put on Jesus. That's why we fast and pray for 21 days. What are we doing? Putting on Jesus? Are we doing some just religious right or act? No, we're not. We're putting on Jesus. Hey, listen, if you don't remember truth, remember Jesus. If you don't remember righteousness, remember Jesus. If you don't remember peace, remember Jesus. If you don't remember faith, remember Jesus. If you don't remember salvation, remember Jesus. If you don't remember the Bible, remember Jesus. Jesus is the full armor of God. You put on Christ. And just as I had mentioned to the families today, you have to become Christ-centered. Christ-centered in him. And let me make this statement and hear me before you, you, you think that's just not right. We're not talking about belief in God. We're talking about being centered in God's son, who is the revelation of God, the manifestation of God, who is the power of God to manifest himself in the evil days. Because let me just be quite honest with you, I know a lot of people that believe in God, but they're not living that way. They're not walking with them. Oh, can I just be a little bit more? And just I don't know what I'm going to be right now. but so We call ourselves like, like 80-something percent call themselves Christians in this nation. Really? This is a Christian nation? After everything that's happening? Are you telling me that? Maybe a Christian nation, but it's definitely not Christ-centered. Man, so many Christian homes that are not Christ-centered homes. And listen, I'm your pastor, I'm your friend, I'm here to help you, I love you. I need to equip you and let you get get the truth. But listen, we're talking about being Christ-centered in this. You need to put on Jesus, who is the revelation of God, the manifestation of God, who is the power of God, and particularly in the evil days, and you need to do it all the time. You need to have this revelation and walk in that of him, put him on all the time, but especially in the evil days, because again, there's a lot of people who believe in God, but have yet to open their eyes to the revelation and manifestation of who Jesus is. Can I tell you, that's one of the reasons why we do prayer and fasting. fasting prayer connects you in a greater capacity to Jesus, to God. Fasting disconnects you in a greater capacity to the world, with the world. And when you don't have answers and when your friends don't have answers and when the doctor doesn't have answers and when the government doesn't have answers and when the economy doesn't have answers and when your political party doesn't have answers and even when the church doesn't have answers, you need to be centered on the person of Jesus Christ. You put on the full armor. Eyes wide open to who Jesus is. He is your truth, He is your righteousness, He is your peace, He is your faith, He is your salvation, He is your word. But you have to put them on you have to get dressed. Ephesians 6.18, finishing out or going on with our passage, says this. So what does that mean? How do I put Jesus on? How do I put on the armor of Jesus, if you will? Well, it says this. Here's how you do it. you pray, praying. Prayer is the answer. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all the perseverance and supplication to the saints or of the saints, Praying always with all prayer and petitions in the spirit with all perseverance. The way you put on Christ to equip you to move through these evil days in this battle is with prayer. We have got to be people of prayer. It does not come any other way. And prayer, let me give you a definition of prayer. Relational communication with God. Prayer is simply relational communication with God. That's what we do at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. on Saturday, relational communication with God. The problem is a lot of people want to pray when they're in spiritual warfare, when they have not prayed until they got into spiritual warfare. That's a challenge. That's when it gets hard. You don't even know how to stand strong in the Lord when you haven't been standing with the Lord. In the midst of that, now I don't—I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, so don't take it that way. And remember, I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. I'm here to help you. Please come back next week. But listen, because now you're in an emergency, a crisis, or a battle, we need him. You know what he's talking about here about praying always. He's talking about stay in communication with them, stay in touch with them, be aware of him every day, all day. First Thessalonians 5.17 says it this way, pray without ceasing. He's not expecting that your prayers to be verbalized 24 seven. I mean, you got to sleep, you got meetings, you got the things you have to do, but be aware of his presence. Be aware of who he is. Put him on. And think about that. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. Pray without ceasing. Stay in touch with me is what God's saying. This is so important and here's why. The evil day is principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness and wickedness. You are under a spiritual attack from demonic forces. And there I said the D word again (laughs) in demonic forces, demons. Don't check out on me. You need to hear the truth. Because the reality is there's demonic activity in our world today. Again, whether you want to realize it, admit it or not, does not make it not true. It's true. You need to open your eyes. We need to open our eyes and recognize it then. And when I say demons, you know, Jesus talked about demons and he cast them out and he had victory over them and we have victory over them, but we have to do what needs to be done. Now listen, if you want to know, or why are there demons? It's because scripturally, the Bible tells us one third of the angels fell to the earth. It's a reality. One third of the angels fell. Where do demons come from? One third came with the devil when like lightning, he was kicked out of heaven and fell to the earth. The reality is there's demonic activity. And the Bible's very clear about the reality of demons and their scripturally fallen angels. And the Bible has an answer. That's good news. The Bible has an answer to demons and demonic activity and it's prayer. And it's the word. Prayer and the word activate your protection. The Bible says when we pray and when we engage God, and we engage in the Holy Spirit, they activate the angels that have been assigned to you. I don't know if you like, I don't have any angel. Around. If you're like, I don't have angels around, I do. <laughs> you do. You just haven't opened up to the reality of it. You do because God assigned them to you. You do. You can see that in the Bible. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. But you're surrounded. Remember last week? It doesn't matter what's surrounding you. You're surrounded by the heavenly armies and the heavenly hosts. And we just need to learn how to activate them, to engage them, because they're the ones that help push back the assignment of the enemy. You can not do it in your natural minds, but you can in your natural, but you can connect spiritually and they can be released to do what they do. Can I say it this way? An angel knows how to deal with a fallen angel. Some of us need to turn our angels loose. Go for it. I'm tired of the demonic activity assignments against my life. Come on, angels, and turn them loose. Let me give you an example. Believe me, I I believe this would be true. Before my wife left on a trip, I prayed for God's Angels to surround her with protection. Surround her in that plane. Surround her in the airport. Surround her, Father God. No harm shall be far and a plague shall come nigh her dwelling. Surround her with a hedge of protection. Angels, you take charge over my wife and you keep her safe from all the assignments in the enemy that try and keep her from doing what you have her to do. My kids are 20. My daughters are 21 and 20. They don't live at home anymore, but you better believe you better believe, I pray over them and release angels over them and around them when they go to work and when they come home and when they're out with their friends and doing like, I don't know what they're doing, but the angels will surround them and protect them and keep them safe from the assignment of the enemy. Come on, somebody. Hey, if you never believed that to be true before, you better believe it before you leave today. That's why, so you can engage victoriously and sign your angels, turn them loose, activate them as the assignment of the enemy is active. I pray that you believe what I'm saying, that you hear me, and that you don't check out, blow me off, because this is truth, and we need to know it. It's important. I, I pray over this church. I pray that no harm shall befall this place. I pray the blood of Jesus, a bloodline around this church, the angels surrounding us, that any assignment of the enemy to come on this campus and do harm has been pushed back by the angels of God. Any assignment, evil assignment, demonic activity has no life here in Jesus' name, but we are surrounded by the heavenly armies keeping us safe, keeping our kids safe over here. Amen? Come on, somebody. It's real. It's real. Paul says, pray always with all perseverance, but he tells you something else to do, and this is the key. In verse 18, can we have 18 again? Thanks, guys. He says, It says this, uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. It gives us a key right here. Here's the key, pray in the spirit. Don't just pray, but pray in the spirit. What does that mean? What the Bible tells us is the role of the spirit is to deliver us, to us, the mind of God. So listen to this for a minute. The Bible tells us the role of the spirit, pray in the spirit, the role of the spirit before you think it's all weird and spooky and goofy, is to deliver you and I the mind of God. He is to deliver you and I the mind of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9, let me show you in the Word. 1 first, first Corinthians 2.9-10. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The spirit reveals to you and I the mind of God, yes, the deep things of God, which can never be understood in the natural. Never. If you continue just to try and relate to God and know him and understand him in the natural, you're missing the deep things of God, which only come from connecting from him, with him spiritually. So it's the spirit's role, job, job, to help you understand what God is doing and saying. Listen, and when you're in the evil day, people can't help you. They have limitations. The government can't. Sometimes even this church can't in some capacity. You need something eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and mind has not conceived. You need the supernatural to enter the natural. And the Bible says being in the spirit is how that happens. And being in the spirit is opposed to being in the flesh. Now we're back to addressing the invisible instead of the visible. Being in the spirit as opposed to being in the flesh. Being in the spirit, notice that word, in the spirit, not like visiting from time to time, stopping by, dropping by, but being in the spirit, having a lifestyle, Developing a lifestyle of being in the Spirit. And I say it this way, I don't mean this ugly because we only have church one day week. It's not talking, about just dropping by, not talking about just dropping by on Sundays. Every day of the week. Developing a lifestyle that you're engaging in the Spirit. What is the realm of the Spirit then? Well, Romans 8, I didn't put this in your notes, so you can write it down. Romans 8 says that those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now remember in 2 Corinthians, we just talked about the job of the Spirit Is to get us the mind of God so those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We're to be spiritually minded. We're to be spiritually minded. And it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Maybe we need to spend some time being more spiritually minded than naturally minded because that's where the battle is. And the Bible says the more spiritually minded we can be, it leads to life and peace. Some of us are so consumed with the natural, which I understand that, but the attack is spiritual and we need to address the spiritual side by being spiritually minded. Have the mind of Christ and we need to be spiritually minded, not secularly minded. We need to have the mind of Jesus, not the mind of man. We need to be biblically minded, not worldly minded. And so he's talking about getting that mind, molding and shaping your mind, renewing your mind daily with the word. Spend time in prayer and fasting and it helps you become spiritually minded. Because we have to address what's happening in the heavenly places. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So that's where where our battle is. This has to be how we're thinking. We have to be more spiritually minded. Get our thoughts in line with God's word. In other words he wants you to think spiritually. Galatians 5.16 I say then walk in the spirit And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after, desires after, or against rather, against, it's opposed to the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, they're opposed to each other, and these these are contrary to one another, so that you do not wish to do the things that you do. The Bible says there's a battle, and it's a battle between your spirit and your flesh. The flesh is simply the desire to please self as opposed to pleasing God. Being spiritually minded is being minded to please God instead of being carnally or naturally minded to please self. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust or desire of the flesh. Now notice it did not say that you won't have the desire. I think some people misread that. If I walk in the spirit, I won't even desire it. No, you will because your flesh is the flesh and it do what it wants to do, right? Right? <laughs> But it says if you'll walk in the spirit, you'll have the power to overcome or overrule the flesh. So walk in the spirit and it will overrule the desire of the flesh. The capacity or ability to do what God wants us to do then will increase. Okay, so people will say this, and I hear this all the time. I'm praying, but nothing's happening. I'm praying, but nothing's happening. And then I heard this illustration and totally cleared it all up for me. I want to share that with you. I thought it was Genius. If we as humans went into the water and tried to breathe, to inhale and exhale, you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it in the wrong environment. You're doing the right thing, but you're doing it in the wrong environment. Many Christians pray they're doing the right thing, but they're doing it in the wrong environment. You're doing it out of your flesh or out of the natural instead of out of your mind that is in line with the spirit of God. And so then we wonder why there's no answer. Because the right thing in the wrong environment does not bring the right results. That's why Paul says we have to be spiritually minded. We have to put on Jesus through prayer and be more spiritually minded than naturally minded because we need to be, our prayers need to come in the right environment that releases the power of God. When we come here for 21 days of prayer, we're creating an environment that's the right environment to connect with heaven, to change our perspective. They get from the natural into the spiritual. And that's not weird or spooky, that's Bible. And that's truth, and it works. If you're doing the right thing in the wrong environment, it won't work, you won't get the results that you want. And Paul says we need to walk in the spirit, have a spiritual mindset. That's not spooky or weird. It's just be more in, spiritually minded than naturally minded. Paul says in Ephesians, pray always in the spirit. Prayer needs to be a lifestyle. 21 days helps you develop that lifestyle. Prayer needs to be a lifestyle and not a visit. Walk in the spirit. Stay in contact with God every day, all day. Be aware of God every day, all day. It opens your eyes to Jesus so you can put him on, so you can put on his truth. You can put on his righteousness. You can put on his peace. You can put on his faith. You can put on his salvation. You can put on his word by putting on Jesus In light of our context of our series, Eyes Wide Open, I wrote, You can't get dressed for battle with your eyes closed. Who knows what you're going to put on? Go in your closet when you get home, turn off your lights and start putting stuff on, see what happens. It's what we do. So open our eyes in prayer. Open our eyes through spiritual discipline so we know what we're putting on. And get dressed for battle with our eyes wide open to develop a lifestyle of prayer, be spiritually minded. You need to make contact with heaven. Can I tell you, why are we having a worship night? We all know you love these songs, we're gonna hear some songs at Tree Life Done. It's gonna be nice. Hey, don't come out here if you just wanna sing some songs. I mean, you're welcome. But come out here in the worship night to connect with heaven. To get a, a spiritual mindset. To connect with God. That's why we come and pray at 6 a.m. I don't get up at 6 a.m. and come here to pray. I come here to connect with heaven. Create a connect with God. I can pray in my bed, <laughs> But I come here because I want to put on Jesus. And I can do that at home. Don't get me wrong. And we want this church to be a house of prayer. God said, my church will be a house of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. We're going to increase the prayer activity. We're going to put on Jesus like never before. Why? Because this church is going to be awake. We're not going to be sleeping while the world is weeping. We're gonna have a heavenly mindset. We're gonna do battle in the heavenly places and we're gonna walk out in victory and expand the kingdom of God and push back the forces of darkness. We are gonna stand in these evil days, amen? And in the midst of your evil day, when you go in with eyes wide open, put on Jesus, it changes your perspective. I'm closing with this story. Um, I heard this story and there was, um, in Alaska, there was a time that um, there were just so many wolves everywhere and it was a natural balance of nature and they didn't have a whole lot of natural predators and they were just doing oh lots of damage to ranchers and farmers and losing cattle and uh, losing livestock if you will and even just things in nature animals in nature there wasn't uh, anything to stem the tide of this overpopulation of wolves and so alaska was offering five thousand dollars per wolf um and so hunters were coming, and so two men thought, "You know what? Let's go to Alaska. There were hunters. Let's go 5,000 dollars a wolf. This could be, be good for us. And so they packed up their gear, they went to Alaska, they found a campsite, they got all set up. And they wanted to go to bed early to, you know, go to bed early to be rested. The next day we want to get up, and 5,000 dollars a wolf, this could be really good for us. And they went to bed that night, and then all of a sudden one of the hunters heard some noise outside the tent. And they kept hearing it and it getting louder and louder. So he got up and got the lantern and went outside the tent. And when he lifted up the lantern, he saw wolves surrounded his camp. I mean, the hunters were now being the hunted. And, the, and he, he saw what was 25, a whole pack of, of wolves surrounding the, the camp and looking like they had the intent to attack. And so out of concern, and he called his uh, friend and he said, hey, Bob, come on out here. He called the other hunter, came outside, and he held up the lantern and he saw this whole pack, 25 wolves looking like they're ready to attack out there. And, and so Bob looks at all these wolves and says, what are we going to do? And the first hunter says, we're going to be rich. <laughs> Perspective is everything. Open your eyes by putting on Jesus, the full armor of Jesus. Amen. We win. Let's go to battle. Let's take our spiritual warfare to the enemy. Let's go to the heavenly place. Let's go to the heavenly places and push back. I'm tired of sitting back. Let's go and go on the offensive, not on the defensive. And let's serve notice to the devil that this is a people with eyes wide open that have put on Jesus and we are gonna take the fight to him. We're going to take the fight to the devil. Amen. This is going to be the best year we've ever had. We're going in with eyes wide open, ready for spiritual warfare. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.